Oh, it's wild. Oh, I got the fucking heart bumping. Mm-hmm. And so we'd bring a couple boards and just stash them. And sometimes I would leave boards in certain, I still do, you know, I'll, I'll still just leave boards in certain places where just me and my friends know where they are. We go get them in the mid- middle of season and ride them and put them back, <laughs> yeah. you know, so. That's awesome. Hello all and welcome to episode 13 of Dark Starts, your backcountry splitboarding podcast. In this one, Chad and I speak with Jeremy Jensen of Grassroots Powder Surfing. If you love standing sideways and gliding on the snow as much as we do, then you love the idea of pow surfing. Jeremy talks about how he started Grassroots and how it allowed him to bring skate style to the snow and backcountry. And yes, there is a split pow surfer. So kick off your bindings and let's talk with Jeremy Jensen. Let's drop in with Jeremy Jensen of Grassroots. Hey, Jeremy, how's it going? Doing great, man. How are you? Fantastic. So this is, I'm going to give you a little story that just happened yesterday. So last night I'm on Instagram and this guy, Joey Shirky, messages me. He's been, a, he's been John, following. John Shirky. John Shirky. Oh, my John, bad. Yeah. John Shirky. So he messages me and he's like, you should probably get uh, a good guy for you guys to get is Jeremy Jensen. You know, great back, back uh, country guy. He's got you know, lots of stoke because he got power surfers. And I messaged back, we're actually recording with him tomorrow. He's like, no way. He's like, say hi for me. And so here it is. John All says, right, John right. says hello. So what up, Shirky? Yeah, he's a good <laughs> dude. He just, he just moved to my hometown actually, just barely. He's just maybe, a, I think he's just building a house right now or just finished his house. Nice. So, and he's been all over, all over the place. He's uh, Tahoe and Colorado for a long time. He's kind of an old legend in, in Colorado. Nice. Um, yeah, good dude. Yeah, it was pretty cool to have. I know we're getting some good traction, and it's good that uh, people are helping or are offering us messages, like you know, look into this guy or look into this or ask this kind of questions. It's been really nice, really nice. Well, yeah, it's a good, good community. Yeah, and it's clear from John's IG that he's uh, he's quite the skater, eh? Like he, it looks like he built a pretty big half pipe in his backyard, maybe. And oh yeah, no, that's that's up in Idaho. That's another one of my friends' ramps. But yeah, he's a good he's a good skateboarder. For sure. oh, okay, yeah, 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 nice, yeah. nice. The roots are, the grass roots are there. so give us give us a little bit of a uh an intro of who jeremy where you got your your stoke for snowboarding and you skated a little bit and then we'll uh we'll prelude into what's going on with your life um well i guess i started snowboarding when i was 13 my my dad taught me to ski when i was two but uh snowboarding didn't exist back then right um and so i yeah i got into snowboarding in the early 80s um when i could finally afford to get a board and just got myself a uh, or my dad had a black snow edge but i was too embarrassed to uh take that to a ski resort because yeah. i was I was, a, I was a skateboarder right so i'm like that's like having like a a nash or something you know like or, yeah you're uh, you know you'd be a poser or whatever right. <laughs> so i was too <laughs> buying a cheap complete from walmart type thing i was yeah i was <laughs> such a dork i wouldn't even take that thing out and so and they had that for a couple of years so i was like following my dad and my brother on I was on skis following them on a snowboard, just going, what the fuck am I doing? Right. You know, so finally <laughs> I was able to uh, get Santa Claus to bring me a GNU Vertigo snowboard. Nice. And that's when I started snowboarding. And so I'd, I'd skateboarded for quite a few years before that. So snowboarding came real easy and uh, super fun. And it, you know, I live in a place where it's very cold in the winters and a lot of snow, so you can't really skate. So it was a perfect, perfect thing to keep, 
the skateboarding feel going and and learn about the mountains and and figure out powder and all that so nice nice so did you did you ever get sponsored snowboarding or you just kind of did all this like how, uh, yeah, what was I got, a bit of your evolution on that i got like shop sponsored you know within the first year or something just because it, it came so easy you know right um, all the tricks and, you know, anything in the air was like a piece of cake compared to trying to do it on a skateboard. Because so. it's a strap to your feet. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, right. which, felt, which felt awesome, you know, because you're like this glory. You know, you're like pretend you're skateboarding. You're doing all the things that you wish you could do uh, on the snowboard. Um, yeah, super easy. You think of a trick, you just do it. Mm-hmm. So the, all that came easy. So I, I was lucky. I had, I had, you know, shop sponsors, which eventually got me hooked up with like, you know, board flow sponsors, I think, uh, what was the first one? Um, option was one of the early ones. Oh yes. Um, those were some good boards uh, back then too. I yeah, for sure. I was, I was way into that. That's company. when cap then, cap construction was the thing, right? That was, they were, the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I used yeah, to I work for so, Coosport yeah. and we used to get all the cores made of the same manufacturer that shot uh, the option used to get them out of. So at the beginning, anyway, when we built our own, not the ones we were getting made out of, uh, Europe or wherever they're getting done, but yeah, I hear you on that. They were good things. Yeah. yeah, so I was lucky. And then I, I've never summer would flow boards. Uh, Another limited, yeah. Solomon, um, as things progressed. Yeah, there was a whole bunch of different snowboard companies that I went through every few years. And then um, Iris Goggles. Mm-hmm. I, was, yeah, I was way into like... I was way into like type a, yeah. I was way into the, the skate brands, you know, right, like the, right, the right. San Diego brands, yeah. I guess. <laughs> and, uh, because that was like what I thought, you know, what I saw the snowboarding going, you know, it's like all the skate influence stuff is like where right. it's at, you know, Absolutely. like turning, turning, no problem. You know, like Absolutely. it's just the turning is, was fun and all, but it was mostly a means by which to get to the next air or to link the next line or, or whatever, you know? So it was, big into the skate influence and the brands coming from them. And I, I eventually worked at a, or managed a, a skateboard snowboard shop for a few years also. Um, so I was always, you know, skateboarding was always in, in my blood and in my thoughts and everything. And, and always was, you know, a jonesing for surfing, especially as a kid, even before skateboarding, like surfing was like, was, was the end game. You know, that was like the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. So I'm just this poor kid in in Utah who can't even afford to make it to the coast. So I, mm-hmm. I lived vicariously I through through skateboarding, you know. <laughs> yep, so, yeah, exactly. So yes, like skateboarding was the closest thing I could do to surf. So I did. So I did that and got way into that. And then snowboarding came along and super fun. And and I live in a good place for it in Utah. So it was absolutely no brainer, really. Absolutely. And then, yeah, I just started, I did, you know, com- competed, big mountain stuff, uh, park stuff, slope style, big air, a little bit of border cross, whatever, that kind of stuff, just to keep sponsor things mm-hmm. coming. And, right. and, uh, and yeah, eventually just, I, I guess my body got pretty beat up, of course, and um, went through some pretty gnarly injuries that, that had to, that kind of forced me to slow down a little bit. And, and that's kind of what really pushed me into to pow surfing a little more mm-hmm. i can um, see that for sure so just after the, that, just after the gentler ride and and glide if you could or well i mean we we were still i was i was at the top of my snowboarding game for sure even when i built the first pal surfers that, that we were riding um but uh and and that was just like a means for shits and giggles you know 
it was it was fun it made the turning part fun right and then you're like oh you could do a shove it on this thing or you could you know pop it oh you could take a big air on this thing oh. so it was like something we'd, we'd right. bring up to to the kicker you know we'd yeah. go out into the backcountry build kickers and hit them and film and stuff and and uh so in the when when it wasn't your time your turn to hit the jump you know one of us would be pow surfing riding down to where the camera was or whatever or just taking a fun run and hiking back up just keeping the blood going you know and mm-hmm. and those they were so fun and so we just we started taking them with us every trip into the backcountry and, and it was kind of an afterthought and more for shits and giggles um but it was so damn fun we were just like wow this is like this is amazing like it was it was like being a little kid again you know it was like learning the skateboard or learning the snowboard again you got those same feelings of stoke that we had when we were you know 13 or whatever the learning little, the snowboarding little, in the first the, place the little little bit of progression every time was like yeah dude yeah dude yeah right? yeah. yeah so so yeah, was, yeah was that the beginning of grassroots pow surf i mean in, you know where you started cutting shapes and started putting something together out there or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first one I made, I was like, grassroots was a skateboard company. So we, I made a skateboard company just for, for fun. Um, I was the manager of this skate shop and and our skate scene was kind of going downhill. Um, and so me and a couple of friends were like, Oh, let's just start this company. And you know, we're not going to make any money. If we do, we'll spend it on road trips to go to skate parks or something. And, and so we started just printing boards and, and, uh, making t-shirts and stuff and just getting, getting the general, population nearby stoked again on skateboarding so it i mean it helped breathe life into our community it got people stoked on skateboarding again you know kids like if you if you were sponsored by grassroots in this town you were like the shit right <laughs> so it got <laughs> it got the kids all stoked nice. on something you know and yeah and and it got our community back going you know and eventually we got a skate park built and, and so it really helped uh revitalize the kind of a fading scene for skateboarding and so so the first the first board I made, I was like, uh, I, I always was into like, you know, grassroots snowboarding would be rad, you know, if we had this snowboard team or whatever, but no way in hell we could ever afford to make snowboards or do this. Um, but eventually I made, you know, started making these pow surfers. And so the first one I made, I was a grassroots pow surfer, <laughs> naturally, just because we had the skateboard company. So exactly. I so I painted it, you know, with the logos on it. And, with and the wheels on the bottom and the trucks. The birth like of it. <laughs> Oh, that was like, that was probably my second, that was my third board, I think, with the wheels. And the no, I, yeah, that one's so sick. It was, man, it was a hand-painted sick. one. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So what was, yeah. what was your first shape like? What, like? Can you give us a little breakdown on, on how you came up with the concept of that first shape? Oh, it was terrible. It was like a... Was it just it a flat piece of plywood and you just cut a shape no, out of no, it? No, no, <laughs> no. it had... No. It's not that no, easy, had, Darren. Yeah. It had full rocker because prior to this i mean i would i would just take the the bindings off my my split board um i would leave the front binding on the split board and then i would grip the middle and grip the tail so i could i could ride my split board without bindings right i could just stand so, so some of the backcountry runs we would go to outside our little resort here are kind of boring and so one day i was like oh let's try this out and just see if we can surf this board down you know and so that that was my <laughs> one of my split boards and yeah, just put the, mm-hmm. the back binding in my backpack, and the front binding held it together. And then you could stand oh, between yeah. the, the two right. bindings and, right. and and back foot behind, you know, on the tail behind the back binding. And so surf that, and it was like, whoa, you can actually kind of do this, like kind of make it work if you get way in the back seat, you know. Mm-hmm. Feel like you've got you know a massive nose that you don't need that's getting in your way of turning and everything, but but it's possible, you know. And so I so I had this old Sims blade that I uh, that had the tail broken off um by a friend 
years and years before this, but, uh, so I just put stomp pads on it and I put a little string on the insert as a leash. And that was my board, you know, it was totally flat in the back, no tail. Cause it had broken off. It was flat. And then it had a, the regular, it was a Sims 1710, I believe 171. Um, <laughs> and so, but it, but it had the tail broke off. So it was really like so 160, 20, <laughs> oh, no, no, 120, oh, 130. Much? It was teeny. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big yeah, break yeah. on the back of the okay. tail. So, okay. so it was small and, yeah. and that thing was like, you could ride that and it was way better than, than my big clunky, uh, split board, you know? So I would take that with me. Um, and then after that, we tried a winter stick round tail plus, um, 85, I believe was the year and the year of the snowboard. This was like in the late nineties, but, um, so I rode that and that already had the nubbies on it for grip and we just right, tied nice. to it and yeah. rode that. And, and that thing was like way, way better than the other ones. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of took, you know, hints from what didn't work and what did work, you know, a lot about a snowboard. Is, is bad doesn't work a lot of the things coming from a snowboard you know such as the some of the flex patterns and and uh the lengths and the way that where the side cut is set in the board and, you know things like that and so mm-hmm. um the first the first one i cut out of wood was just like we didn't have a press or anything so i like used some cinder blocks and some uh some textbooks <laughs> <laughs> and like glued this thing up and like just set all the weight on it, you know, to bend it. So it was just like a pure rocker. Uh, it was like a wake skate, you know, with like pure rocker and it's shaped like a shaped like a, my, my thought was uh, a twin tip surfboard is gotcha. what it was, but it, it really ended up looking like a, like a wake skate. Right. Um, and it had kind of the uh, half shallow swallow on the nose and the tail. I've actually seen a bunch of boards, I think like lobster came out with one and a, a few a few boards in the industry in the last three years that have like my almost the exact same nose and tail shape which i always giggle about but but my, but my thought was was like okay it's like a slight swallowtail front and back because mm-hmm. i want to do you know i don't want to just turn like i could i could turn really well on on the uh the winter stick round tail and that was fun and all but like it was just you know, I was just turning. It was like, that's easy. You know, like I want to <laughs> do something else. You know, I want to do one eighties. I want to do ollies. I want to do, you know, shove it. So I want to do, I want it to be a little trick board. And so, and that's, you know, probably the skateboard in me, the skateboarder in no, me. So no, never mind the three sixty. So mind, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, and all, all that would come because, because we, because I made this trick board, you know? And, right. Um, it's and then a, the next board, the next board I made, you know, just like a few months later was like, you know, had similar, uh, shape to the nose of the, uh, of the winter, the winter stick round tail. And then it had a, a more drastic swallow and a little bit more drastic true side cut, not reverse side cut like the first one. Hmm. And then, um, God from there, there was just, there was a whole bunch of experiments like, Cause I, I, my first one worked and it did a lot of the things I wanted it to do, but it didn't like hold a good solid edge when it came to turning. And, uh, and it had like a really cool feeling the way it floated so high up. And so I kind of took some ship, shapes that went in that direction. Um, they, it floated so much higher in the snow being reverse side cut and everything, you know, like you'd, you'd plane right up there and you'd be riding way, way on top. So it was like, almost like you're floating on air, right? It's like surfing on air so some of the, my shapes went that direction in the reverse side cut the the very surf inspired mm-hmm. um direction you know different tails different you know uh, radiuses of the reverse side cut you know different noses from blunted to 
pointed to whatever. Like I just, I made, you know, 20, 30 boards and some of them and different types of, uh, of rockers as well. And even some camber don't ever do camber. Like, <laughs> um, you know, camber no, was terrible for it. Yeah. And looking at your <laughs> and, boards, I mean, it's clearly wicked rocker and that's what's working. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them, and some of them, um, they're all different. So like the, some of them are pretty well flat, uh, through the, through the base and then, you know, kicking the nose, kicking mm. the tail, slight kicking the tail. And some of them and some of them have a draft, drastic kick in the tail. And then some of the shorter ones have a little bit more rocker through the center and then a steep, uh, tail and nose. Um, because I mean that just the little differences make a huge difference in the type of writing you're trying to do. So, um, so yeah, there's, I, I've got multiple profiles now. There's like four or five different profiles, uh, within the 20 something shapes that we offer in grassroots. So I've kind of, you know, I, I knew everyone wasn't going to be like down the skateboard alley, you know, cause most people like, you know, most snowboarders back in the day, most snowboarders were skateboarders, but you know, as, it, as it progressed, no longer, you know, like snowboarding was like the easy way out. <laughs> so people didn't even skateboard, you know, no. but back in the day it was like all the skateboarders were good at skateboarding. Of course they snowboarded cause that's what you do in the winter. But so yeah, things changed and I was like, well, I can't just make these, you know, super skatey freestyle things for people like i'll you know i'll make the very surf the clearly surf inspired ones and i'll make some more clearly skate inspired and then some hybrids of the two and then some more uh, snowboard inspired and um you know depending on what people want i was just kind of bringing it i mean back then i was only making a handful of boards for customers it was very small and no one had ever heard of it um so so some people would be like oh i just want this board to cruise and i weigh this much and whatever so i would I would make, you know, shape their board accordingly. And, and now, you know, 13 years later, like got it pretty well down when, when somebody tells me their specs, you know, I can either make something for them or I can line them up with one of, you know, 25 different uh, stock shapes that, that <laughs> yeah, I make. Right, so, right, right. Yeah, that's so, yeah, interesting. Really want... So the pro sorry to you, the process like of going through and making the shapes and testing them out and, what was that like? Was it tedious? Was it fun all the time? It was, or? It was fun as hell all the time. <laughs> no doubt. Like, I mean, so it's the kind of, of thing where like, you get your buds and you go out into the backcountry and just like let's kill it and see what works best. And... Yeah, yeah, we'd haul up, haul up at least two boards with us. You know, they're like a cross on our back. You know, because back then we were just we were boot packing a lot, right? Or or using verts, you know, to to go up and mm -hmm. and so we'd bring a couple boards and just stash them. And sometimes I would leave boards in certain i still do you know I'll, I'll still just leave boards in certain places where just me and my friends know where they are we go get them in the mid middle of season and <laughs> ride them, put them back <laughs> yeah. you know so <laughs> that's awesome so uh, yeah we had a blast and I, it, it sucked when you you know took the board out that didn't work last time and you knew it probably wasn't going to work again and sure enough it didn't mm. then that sucks you know when when you get a, a lemon or whatever but but you know you just stop riding that thing and, and learn from it and shape something better so it was it was all trial and error you know there was nothing to to copy you know there, there was no no yeah, such no thing doubt. as pal surfers back yeah, then and, no and you know you can kind of copy snowboards but like all the snowboards we had ridden they were not good for for no bindings you know they just didn't to, to even make them work at all you had to go way way in the back seat of them and then by the time you did that, you were you were stepped way out of the side cut. So they were just they way weren't out of turning control. how they yeah. they should anyways, yeah. yeah. So so you couldn't really borrow from that. And then 
surfing, like, you know, you try to borrow from that and you realize that doesn't cross over that well either. Um, not directly anyways, but you can take, you know, hints and find the things that do work and the combinations that do work. Um, but so it, it was a bit of a guessing game and then you'd, you'd find a direction that worked and you'd keep moving in that direction and, and doing variations on that. And so it, it was fun. It was super rewarding, you know, to, to, to get these new feels too, and to have all these boards that rode differently. Like you could take the exact same run on, on a different board and it's a completely different experience. So it was, it was cool as hell. And, and a lot of this development was going on in the early seasons when, when the cliffs and the kicker zones weren't filled in anyways. Right. So it was like, you know, you'd just be going with your snowboard and making turns on a grassy slope. And, and that to me was like pretty boring. You know, I, I like to hit, you know, big jumps and big cliffs and like scary lines and whatever, you know, and as is evidence so, in all your videos. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, it, it made those early season times really fun. And, and so we would end up going a ton in the early season, just, power surfing we wouldn't even bring our snowboards even though we were hardcore snowboarders you know in our prime of snowboarding we wouldn't even bring them with us because we were like you know it's just not we don't care to make turns on our snowboards on you know 35 degree slopes we'd way way rather develop these power servers right make a little bump and do some shove some kick flips and some drops and then some lines and you know just link things together so i got a blast i got got a question i was actually talking with darren about this when we were getting ready to do this interview and like, you know, when you ride a, a, a pow surfer, what happens when you go back to a board with bindings? Like how does your board riding change? Do you notice any, did it progress? Did it make you like, what was the, is it, what, give us a little description of the depth. Does it feel stiffer? Like it's less totally, fun? It's totally or? different. No, not less fun. Just different. It's way different. Like you, when I initially, when I, if I haven't been snowboarding for a few weeks and I've just been pow surfing, I'll strap in, and I'll be like, okay, weird. Like I can't put my, you know, angle my foot the way I want to drop my knee as far right. as I want to on this right. turn or whatever, you know? Um, so there's that. And, and then the feeling that I'm going to go over the nose because the nose just appears so much shorter on the, on the snowboard. And a lot of it is because I, I like riding the short, short fatties too, quite a bit. Yeah. Um, shorter snowboards that are wider. Right. Um, but, uh, and to ride my bigger, you know, my 160 somethings, like I just felt like I was driving a tank kind of, and, and it was weird, but it's mainly weird just cause you can't micro adjust your feet, like being able to micro adjust your stance, uh, both the angles of your feet as well as the width of that stance is right. so awesome on a power surfer. And it completely changes again, your ride just on that same board. If you scooch up two inches, it's rides totally different, you know, widen your stance, rides different, scooch back, rides different. So yeah. it's like, yeah. It, it makes it, it makes such an awesome difference, and it, yeah, it's liberating, really. But yeah. I mean, back back to snowboarding, like it, it just helps. It just hones you in. That's you know? what I, mean, I was thinking. Stuck, stuck to your feet, you know. That's what so I was you're thinking. Like, as far as you know, as far as air time and air awareness and all that, it's a piece of cake yeah. compared to trying to do big airs on a pal surfer, especially. But right. um, and also doing like really steep, scary lines with exposure and ice and, <laughs> and that. Of course, yeah, it's it's right there on your feet, and it's it does exactly what you tell it to. It's snowboarding, you know. It's like it's it's very responsive, and and then riding a groomer is like. I mean, actually, I actually went so long without riding a groomer to when I came back to it. I was like, fuck, this is fun. Right. Like I forgot, <laughs> yeah. I forgot about parking be. and laying down, you know, turns like that. Yeah, and that chat, that chatter. Super fun. Yeah. That chatter. If the, yeah. if the groomer's a little bit hard, if it's hardened up a little bit, 
it's nice to mm-hmm. rip. You get really fast. Yeah. Just hooking that carve. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's not going to hurt your snowboarding. That's no, I didn't sure. think it's it would. It's only going to help it. Yeah, that's kind of what it's I... It's like skateboarding. Yeah. It's like skate, people are like, well, what do you do all summer to stay good on snowboarding? We well, skateboard. Right. Of course. And that's you know, funny. It's a different medium, but it's but your balance and yeah. like your your judgments and everything like it's the same kind of thing yeah at 40 at 45 i got a my son got a skateboard that i got him one two years ago and this summer he's kind of more stoked on it his friends are doing it so you know i got him the knee pads and the helmet and we've been just going out rolling around like i can barely ollie moving like i used to and now i'm like oh scared but (laughs) but we were going down this park here where there's a little wee of a you know a little hill and just I'm just doing full carves like a snowboard. He's my son's looking at me. I'm like, yeah, man, like give her, you can do it. So, yeah, that's a great way to keep that up, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I tell my friends who have kids. I mean, I've got kids too, but I'm, I'm like, dude, if you teach your kid to skateboard, he can do anything. Yeah, like any other sport. Absolutely. Like that's, I don't know. You learn how to you learn how to take a beating. You learn how to get back up. Mm-hmm. Learn how to do it till you perfect it. You, mm-hmm. you learn like you know not just physical things, but mental. The mental game is there. And, well, there's a progression. And you learn not to give up. And there's so. a, there's a progression. You know, learning to ollie, you got to do it like on the grass. You got to do it standing still. Tighten up your ch- trucks. Yeah. My trucks are too loose. I keep telling my son, you know, yeah, I'm having a rough. He's like, well, you keep saying it, but you don't do it. I'm like, I know, I know. It's like the story of being a parent, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah so yeah so like that's great that's what that's what i was asking because that's what that's what we wanted like I've, i built one like i would want a, a diy from burton and it's got you know mm-hmm. just they get their rocker talking their rocker press in there and it's not really the foam padding there's no camber in it so it's really rough we did a, a little bit of a mm-hmm. pow day here at uh, in march and we messed around with it and then i went out and bought the the nice foam pad so i could actually get you know toe and heel it's good traction yeah because yeah, yeah. otherwise concave, yeah concave on us like all this stuff is comes from skateboarding but it's like yeah a no-brainer when i did that like my first board you know i just had flat foam on it and mm-hmm. then i think the second day i rode it i i brought it home and i was like i'm putting some concave in this thing you that's know? exactly stuff some foam in there yeah. and made concave in it and it you know i gave your not only could you you would know where your feet were without looking down you also uh it gives gives you leverage much more leverage you know on your toe and your heel pressure absolutely so is that so jeremy is that kind of the concept now with the 3d bases that you're doing and and is that it just like enhancing that and evolving that yeah i mean it it takes the power and transfers trans transfers it better but the uh the 3d base is more channeling of the snow and and it's kind of setting an edge in in the snow back where your weight is right um, what, I mean, it depends on the board. I, I have a few different 3D bases on the boards that, that perform differently. But, but basically, you know, the base is your interface with the snow. So it's it's channeling the snow. Um, and, of course, you know, your toe and heel pressure matters a lot for that. But that just kind of enhances those movements and, and uh, makes it a little more precision. Um, and you can, you can also hang on when it's not so good a snow or slushy or, you know, hard pack. You can still you can still have some traction there and if you're on your board without just slipping away. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) That's right. Which I, which I find myself at with the kids all the time. No doubt. (laughs) Yeah. And it makes, it makes the toboggan hill awesome. Yeah. The local, the local golf, golf course, you know, reading it, riding in and out of those, the, um, sand traps. That's how I started learning how to snowboard even better. That's what we used to hit taking hits, right? You, You could easily launch, put a little, make a little jump and yeah. Yeah, I basically take I take those I take my kids to all the same places I use to learn how to snowboard and and 
I also learned how to paddle surf at all, all those places because I've kind of lived in the same town since I grew up. And so all these, you know, it's all, it's just like a full circle rebirth. And that's, that's kind of like the grassroots. I mean, the whole name, the, the return to the roots Absolutely. And, uh, and the, uh, you know, the infinity symbol within the O's in grassroots and our logo. It's just like, you know, this is cyclical. We're just going back to the roots and, and re reimagining and, and, uh, reapproaching things on a, on a different board, which was almost, you know, basically the same board as what those guys were riding, yep. you know, or just a board, a board without bindings. They wanted to surf mountains. That was exactly. their whole goal. Exactly. Right. So that's, that's just what we're doing. We just made boards that would do it a little bit better, you know, and, and we had the, the training and the, the realization of what's possible because of skateboarding you know? yeah. and, snow- and because of snowboarding exactly. and because of surfing, which all build off each other. I mean, you look at surfing right now and it's, the aerials you know it's just it's mocking skateboarding now exactly <laughs> skateboarding right. was everybody was mocking them or exactly them, exactly you know, now it's going circle and again full circle snowboarding yeah. is the same is just you know imitating both and yeah and so yeah it's it's cool they all well, they all feed each other it's it's really rad what i've heard is the uh it's re- risk versus reward so skateboarding has high risk low reward mm-hmm. snowboarding has low risk high reward so when you fall, it doesn't hurt as as bad snowboarding than it does skateboarding, right? So that's kind of where potentially less road rash. I, I, I did, potentially, I, I did a quote until unquote. you get to the level. I know I did a quote. Oh, yeah. Level, yeah, I did if some, you get to the level where you're doing, you know, death-defying lines and giant yeah. gaps and yeah. huge cliffs, like you could, you know, you can die snowboarding, you know, which where you're less likely to die skateboarding. But hey. but no, I, I do see what you're saying. But that's not no. the average person, Jeremy. Right, right. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. right. The average but speaking about the average person and the risk versus reward and, you know, the high consequence stuff, um, in, in White Waves, you know, Terrier talks about possibly taking a, a pow surf on big lines. So what what are some of the biggest lines that anybody's taken a grassroots pow surf on? And, or that you have? Um, Absolutely. I, I've i gone into, like, the backcountry zone I frequent, and I've done I, almost every line that doesn't, I mean, everything that doesn't have a mandatory, big mandatory drop in it, which is, yeah, there's like one or two, three lines or so that I did on my snowboard back in the day all the time that, you know, I've taken my pow surfer to every one of those lines, save maybe two of them. Um, there's like some really, really steep ones. I, I mean, I couldn't give you the names of them. I, mean, I could give you our names of them, but it wouldn't make any sense. But there's, yeah, yeah. you know, 45 plus spined lines um there's you know uh glory bowl is a fun one in in jackson that comes off a teton pass that's that's like a notable one that maybe people could relate to um done that a few times uh there's i mean most of the stuff most of where we ride you you've never heard of of it because we're in the middle of nowhere but um i saw this guy Corey did this line in alaska that's like pretty freaking mind-boggling um just i just saw pov of it but um, he sent me that footage and it was sick. There's, I mean, there's, there's, yeah, people out there are pushing it and you can pretty much, if it's got snow on it, you can ride it, you mm-hmm. know, and, and you use your judgment on whether or not that snow's yeah, going to stay put or whether the snow's going to deep enough or, or yeah. dense enough for how steep the line is. Or, um, you know, there's pillow lines in British Columbia will do and that are freaking gnarly, you know, that most people wouldn't do on their snowboards. And so it's, it's, just depends on the level you're at and you're, how much yeah, exactly. you want to risk it, you know, because yeah. you can get punished by that for board, sure. you know, the things, 
on a leash it's you fall in front of it it can come and smack, smash you you know yeah so so bring us now into why you decided to, to build a split board surfer uh, just for access and and I would, you know, I got into splitboarding early when the the, the first uh, volets started to come out, and you know, chopped my own board in half early on, and made a a split snowboard out of it. And so, yeah, within, I mean, I made my first pal surfer, and then I think it was a year later I made made it into a, a split surfer, just to see if I could do it, you know, see if it'd work, and and uh, of course it did, and yeah, so I just refined it from then it's just, it's just a great way splitboarding is a great way to get around and like yeah. not everybody has like easy access roadside you know stuff that's easy to to hike to or use verts to get to and you know a lot of people in europe and the alps they don't you know you, you can't ride snowmobiles for instance you know like i know up in canada like it's it's pretty awesome because you can snowmobile all over the place and, oh yeah but yeah, oh, a, lot yeah. Of, a lot of the world <laughs> a lot of the world doesn't doesn't allow that so yeah. Um, I just figured it, it would help open it up, For you know, sure. open people's eyes to it who, who maybe felt like they couldn't hike that far or just wouldn't, or it wouldn't be worth mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depends on, yeah, a lot of different, a lot of different areas in this world where people live that have different access. So, so what were the, some of the major complications when you actually cut the first, uh, pow surfer and you decided to build it into a split? Like what were some of the first, like, Oh shit, this isn't going to fucking work whatsoever. I'm at the top and I'm, fuck now <laughs> <laughs> no. well that never happened that never, i never i never let myself get that far because i because i knew i'd already had boards that i knew worked right and i knew all i had all i had to do is cut the suckers in half and oh, okay and put hardware on them and then hope that they didn't break in ski mode and that was you know those boards i was like having to drill and t-bolt and so that's weakening mm-hmm. the ski you know mm-hmm. quite a bit yeah and so that's i was really afraid of that and you can tell by the first few splits i made there they're tanks, man. They're, I mean, even the, even the first few pal surfers I made yeah. for, they were, they were big, heavy things. Cause I was like, I can't afford to break this. You know? Right. And then when I started <laughs> selling them too, I'm just like, man, if somebody breaks this and like wants their money back, like I'm screwed. Like I can't give them that money back. I already took their money and used it to buy <laughs> food, buy some more wood to make more. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> no, man, I've always, I'm just I've kidding. always had a full-time job. Like yeah, I've no, always just... taken care of, of you know, pal yeah. surf is my second full-time job. Right. And so I, you know, I've always, I didn't have to do it to eat, but I would, I would immediately reinvest that money into Absolutely. to making more stuff. And so, so I didn't want to make something that could possibly break. So things were pretty heavy and thick. And, and those first couple of, of uh, split boards were no exception to that. And cause I was pretty paranoid when I, when I started making them from scratch too, not just cutting an existing one in half, but making it from scratch, mm-hmm. I was still building them really, really thick and heavy because the last thing I wanted to do was break it because they're such a pain in the ass to make. Mm-hmm. Do you get them pressed somewhere? I know you, you build these out of your, your garage. Um, or you yeah. did. Yeah. It's all you in still my house. Do. do you have your own press no, in yeah. there with your own templates uh-huh. in the whole nine yards? Yeah. Yeah. Everything I've, I've built everything from the ground up. It's all done in my, in my home or my, my garage. I've since built a, a slightly bigger garage. Um, but I, yeah, I used to work in like a 10 by 10, barely enough room to slide a board into a press yeah that's funny i saw the pictures on, <laughs> yeah, on your website right? and, I, and i remember looking at that picture going yeah. wow oh so that's that's probably my old shed yeah, yeah. and then yeah, in and the winter the in the, the winter side. it was too it was too cold to build those in the winter so i had to do it in this little dungeon basement room in my house <laughs> which is even smaller than that is like half the size of that shed and so mm. i was literally like barely 
barely able to make it happen, but you could but barely yeah, built, turn around. Yeah. I built all the, all the presses and, you know, designed the whole process and figured it all out. And, you know, I, I, I never had any money to, to like pay anybody to do this or invest in anything, you know, and, and I didn't know that if, if it would ever even take off anyways. So I figured I would, I would plant a seed and make it grow the best I could within my own means. And that's, so, that's how it all came to be. So, so that's pretty weak because you're some of your board, like the construction of your boards right now, um, for the most part are, I mean, is it a secret sauce type of thing? <laughs> Can you talk about Not it? Not so you... much. I mean, there, there's different, I use different woods and in, in different boards and, um, but most of it's just a combination of maple and birch and, and, uh, you know, and P-Tex and then in the splits there's, there's carbon and, and, uh, glass in some of them i've kind of just switched to most of the ones i've done in the last few years are just carbon just to you know keep the weight down right and, right and is stiffen that the it up on, where it, the black on black series and no these i i only put carbon in this in the splits oh and that's mainly for, for, yeah. for strength in the yeah. ski mode and yeah. for uh stiffness because you, you you lose they become pretty flimsy if, oh, if yeah. you don't have that in there and then they don't they don't ride very well being you know, so yeah, that's interesting because so that's one of the like things that. that I was curious about is when you're in ski mode, um, you know, because you're, you know, your early pow surfers, like you said, were pretty thick and, and I'm thinking about that split and how you get that edge to activate when you're in ski mode. Like, is there enough flex? Can you get it to do that? Or Yeah. I mean, you're, there's no metal on the boards, right? So there's right. no. So yeah. And this is what, this is what a lot of people kind of trip out on is that they're like, well, I can't take that it doesn't have metal edges you know i'm not going to be able to to get up to where i need to go or whatever and, right and it's like it's like yeah you even if you had metal edges on these things the bind you would you would need to have a binding with a full high back and a stiff snowboard boot mm-hmm. to be able to you know the, all the leverage is lost within your soft uh pal surfing boot right and uh and this the binding itself you know the bindings i make are just they fold up into like the size of a bible pretty much weigh about a pound they're just these small things because you don't want to pack a giant Mm. set of bindings into your backpack you know that's a lot of weight and and that doesn't leave space for your freaking sandwich you know (laughs) (laughs) uh, so so yeah the bindings are are nice small compact you could even put them in in your pocket in some coats and uh so yeah your your leverage there to to be able to even engage an edge just isn't there and so when you're skinning up like you you've got to avoid just like when you're riding down, you avoid obviously ice and wind buff and just and keep going. That, that just keep going. Suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you pick you pick your wave wisely. You know, right, you don't, right. you don't go try to <laughs> yeah. try to skin up the ice wall, or you know, and, and maybe you you may end up on the leeward or windward side of a you know an upper peak, and and it could get nasty, you know, and hard. And in that case, I take the thing off and I boot pack a little bit, right. or I step off the skin trail and make a make a fresh one if it is you know, something that's too steep and, and icy to, to a hold an edge through on those. Awesome. Um, so yeah, there's, a, there's, I mean, I could put metal on them, but it's, yeah, it's not, a it's not really going to do, it's, well, it's not going to do you any good other than it might cut you real good when you get hit by it, but it's not, you know, and then metal's slower and it's heavier and it's just, it's, there, there wouldn't be any benefit cause you can't really, um, you wouldn't have the leverage to engage that heavy anyways. So what boots do you recommend people use? Um, for a power surfer. Now, of course, you just talked about having, you know, with a binding, even the stiffer boot and all that stuff like that. So what do you recommend? Yeah, the, the Deluxe is a company out of Austria. 
the Deluxe Footloose is the model they make, and that's they were the first company to make an actual Pouser specific boot, and those those are by far the best. That, and, I, and I've tried a lot. I've tried, you know, so we I'd ride Sorrells a bit back in the day, um, early on, and then there wasn't much. I tried some Columbias that were pretty good, some mm-hmm. North Face that were pretty good, but but those tended to be like more hiking bootish, and they would get cold and wet. And, um, but this deluxe footloose, it's like, it's like a snowboard boot, but it's, you know, it's soft, soft. full 360 articulation. It's a little bit shorter. Kind of reminded me of like the Vans Lemming back in the day. I don't yeah. know if you remember that thing, the ankle what? broke my ankles on those. Yeah. I was actually just, I was just thinking about that. I used to have a pair of boots. Great pouncer. <laughs> I, I had a pair of Burton boots that were green and they had the first like bladder with like a rubbery bladder. I don't even remember the name of them right now. They were green with a white oh, the and stubby or the stubby or the stumpy i think the stumpy it? that's it the stumpy yeah and yep. that was like my and I'm, you know now i've evolved into these like tourist burton tourist boots they're like almost like a ski boot and i'm like the other day i'm thinking why can't i tweak when i hit like a little jump i'm like because i'm riding ski boots <laughs> with strings like so yeah like yeah I, yeah the soft the soft boot makes a huge difference yeah the beauty of these deluxe ones too is the, the sole is quite thin also okay. and it's not like knobby so you you have really good board feel, right? Um, which yeah, it's makes like a massive a, difference too. It's like a skate yeah. sole almost, hey. And it's yeah, yeah, it's very flexible too. So it's not nice. it's not if it's if it was stiff and hard, you'd have a hard time, you know, getting your micro adjustments that you need and the the pressures that you need out of your toe and your heel. No, um, no, for a lot of years, I straight it. like if you're looking at like that White Waves movie, most of that is probably I'm probably wearing some. 32s snowboard boots 32s. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. the cheap like the lowest end well, yeah that's what 32s i would yeah. buy for a while yeah because they were at least soft enough right but once you man the difference between that and a proper pair of pals from boots is night and day yeah. it helped so much when we finally got got good boots and uh fans makes one now too the uh sta- high standard yeah got, standard I, it's called i yeah, believe i bought a set of those because um, where we live it snows and it's cold so i'm like i'm not wearing shoes i'm wearing some boots. Right. yeah yeah i got a pair of those just for shoveling the driveway yeah, like, sweet, but yeah they do have a little bit you know those ones aren't as warm and they yeah they don't have that's like true. proper support in them really so they're a little they're not my favorite but they're they're a good solution i'm stoked that right you know companies are putting out putting out some boots um that that are for power serving that that was like i was like holy shit it's, it's legit now <laughs> yeah you know it's <laughs> funny somebody else I, besides me cares about <laughs> i thought the same thing when i first saw that there was a power specific boot and and how cool yeah. they are yeah and i think i think nitro is putting one out as well i saw it at the trade show so they'll have another you're definitely another creating option. you're definitely creating a, a buzz because all the big majors are now trying to create their own power surfers yeah but they're charging like arms and legs even like i get it it costs money to make these things but the scale these guys are making them at versus what you're making them yeah yeah they're made in made in like china or dubai and yeah it's it's depressing it's depressing for me because that stuff really hurts yeah my sales you know like i noticed it big time this last year and it was like great what am i what am i gonna do you know they have such a massive reach and marketing you know budget like they're probably just i bet it's all marketing dollars that they're even using to to do that because they're probably not selling enough to make enough money no lord knows i'm not and so it's like it's more of like they're trying to appear core or you know on the forefront of something or whatever or they're trying to be like uh like uh, gmc is everything to everybody to make sure they get every yeah. single well, every single section of that. And it's kind of crazy, man, because some of the numbers that some of those things go for and, and the construction of them, I've heard people tell, you know, you hit the first rock and the board's gone. Fucking split in half. 
Oh yeah, if you do that like that, the Burton, the Burton one, that would be like yeah. thirteen hundred bucks or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And it's that's a sad deal because that's not even no like the, the guys in Japan make better boards than that, and you could you could you could spend thirteen hundred dollars on a sick like handcrafted board that a, a friend of mine makes in Japan, and the thing's amazing, you know. And like just because this Burton thing's made out of foam, like that's foam's actually not a great thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the light, the lightness, you know, is you'll find the thing blowing off your feet. Like I used, I used to do oh, foam okay, cord yeah. boards. That makes sense. Many many years ago, and and I got away from it. I was like, it's yeah, not not the direction I want to go. Well, snowboards, um, have, snowboards as a whole have gone away from foam core because I remember them back in the '90s. That was the thing, right? Foam injected yep. boards. Back when Option yeah. was in, they had some as well, and they went for the cheaper side of things, right? <clears throat> yeah, I think well, Moro did that. Had a bunch of companies were doing yeah, that. I had, I had they, that they, Moro they, board. They all had the foam injection, man. My first board after my Craig Kelly was a staple, which is a brand out of nowhere, um, little guy brand, and it was great. 148, foam injected, had great fun. Was because my first board I got was a Elite Performer back in 1988. Uh, we weren't allowed in the hills. We were just doing kind of what you're doing here, <laughs> like just riding, dropping little cliffs mm-hmm. and getting a little bit of snow and then sold everything to go snow- to to uh, pursue hockey for a while. And then I got myself back into snowboarding when I went uh, moved on back, moved to Toronto. And anyways, so yeah, that's, that's the foam core is definitely not right. where you want to go because yep. it's too, it, there's nothing to that board. It was all about pumping them quickly, right? That's what that industry did at that point was like, well, you're big in Japan. So let's get 2000, yeah. you know, 3000 or a hundred thousand boards to Japan to make money. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that was cheap and light. Yeah. That was the expression at the trade shows. It was like, uh, well, who the fuck are you guys? Well, we're big in Japan, you know, like, <laughs> cause in no, Japan, and, <clears throat> and you'll find like, I mean, wood is good. It's a natural fiber. It's, Absolutely. You know, skateboards have been made out of wood and all we like, there's been so many, like oh let's make a you know a composite skateboard and all the pros go back to what it has a snap to it it has a feel to it it's it's alive it's like it's a lot it's yeah it's a, absolutely it's, yeah so i don't know i mean I'm, I'm not that far into composites unless you absolutely nah. need them to hold something together or whatever and, and there's a place for it you know yeah. for making oh, there's, there's ultralight absolutely. touring equipment or, or whatever you know yeah and, and the but, entry, uh, entry level you know, people entry level people need to have a new person getting into snowboarding needs to have something that they can afford to get that stoked yeah. to get excited about it right so it's, it's got its place yeah. so let's dig a little bit more into i guess where you're going now uh with this uh board wise anything you got Maybe secrets you want to give divulge to us or all, all of my secrets. You ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, I stopped like talking to a lot of people about it. Cause in the early years, like I would go to trade shows and things and people yeah. would just sit and drill me. Like, yeah. so how did you do this? What is it? How do you like, right. this is going to be the next best thing I'm going to, you know? And so you get all these like yeah. copycats, Absolutely. And, you know, it's like, Oh, you weren't really interested in my product. You were just interested in trying Stealing to copy it. it. From okay. Me. So like all of this, you know, decades of of work that I've done on my own, Absolutely. figuring all this out. Like you're just going to shortcut me and cut me out of the picture. Just just to try to make a, or they just want to make a buck off of something, you know. And right. it's like I don't right. know. I I did this because it's a passion, not because I'm going to make a buck off of it. Right. And I mean, I, I do need to make some money to make it pay for itself, or else my wife and kids will disown me. You know. Well, they'll be like, I "Why are you spending all that time?" I can't be putting. Yeah, I can't be putting that amount of time in, into something that. You know, not anymore anyways. Maybe, right. you know, the first five years of my marriage when I was like, next year, honey, I promise. Yeah. Next year, I promise. And then, you know, <laughs> pissed, pissed, pissed. And just, it got bad, you know. And then, you know, finally it breaks even. 
which is great. But, but yeah, just to see other people come in and like, just like blatantly rip you off. It's like, it sucks. It hurts deep. Cause it's like, you know, it's your passion and, and you put so much of yourself into it and yeah, it just, it sucks. So, so, so speaking, I quit talking, I quit talking about a lot of that stuff with people just cause it was, I agree. It was burning that's, me. That's and I fine. Just, like, yeah. four. I was so, just, I was just trying to see what your, the evolution that you were thinking next with this and how you want to maybe bake the split better or what's, you're just good. Um, you're, so you're just kind of customizing stuff right now. Well, this the the shapes continue to evolve a bit, nice. and then yeah. I mean, I, I I could put out so many more great shapes, but it, it's becoming confusing and hard to do inventory and stuff like oh, that, yeah. and like you know, market and sell each one, and so I'm starting to do more like variations in in widths for people because your how it relates to your boot size and your weight is huge. You know, if you if you've got too small a seat for the board you're on, you're not gonna be able to turn the damn thing. Um, and it depends on where you live. You know, if you live out east, like you, you'll need something different than if, if you live out west where there's more snow or in, in whatever area where there's more snow or lighter snow or, you know, maybe the snow's really dense. Maybe it is slushy here a lot or maybe it's high water content. Like it, it makes a big difference to those widths in relation to people's gotcha. people's boot size. And, that's and so that's why, you know, any anytime you see, if you see a, any company that's got that's selling you one power surfer, just run away. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> They're not doing it because they're trying to give you a great product. They're just trying to like, so so it's it's like an image thing and they Mm -hmm. want to offer it, but it's like, like you guys got to know one size does not fit all like in a pal surfer, like no way. Like you can kind of bullshit it on a snowboard and survive, but not on a pal surfer. Like it's just, yeah, no doubt. Chad and I obviously are riding the same area, but I'm six foot in about two ten. Mm, with a yeah. uh, with a, a size twelve boot, <laughs> you know? yeah, and, I, and I'm five six, hundred fifty five pound, size and eight and a half. <laughs> so you guys aren't sharing boards then? No, no. no well, he right rides some, he rides some of my boards. I got about yeah. There's a of couple them. of his boards that I I've written. Some, yeah, I got some yeah. big boards. I'm not afraid. I'm not Just afraid. for fun, I like, like the bird and fish yeah. and ripping that around and getting uh-huh. stuff like yeah. that. But. So yeah, we used to ride one of those around a bit without bindings. Oh yeah, like Burton fish and, <laughs> and old... well, they've got those out. They're pretty nice too. Those Burton ones that are um, like a fish, like that, with their cord, no bindings built in. But uh, yeah, that would be fun too. But... Oh, like the like this then the, well, they have the skipjack. Yeah, they had a couple the that were yeah. like kind of hybrids. Yeah, hybrid yeah, pile they, driver. They came in and came out. There's always yeah. yeah. So yeah. like. I got a burning question for you, you know, because you mentioned Japan and you mentioned the shapers over there. Are you talking about Yuki Ida? Yeah. 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 So I'm curious, like from your point of view, uh, because in your movie White Waves, you, you kind of, I could tell by the way you're talking about them, how much you appreciate the craft that they put into building and shaping their boards. I was wondering if you could just touch on that real quick from your point of view of that. Yeah, it was cool, man. We went we went to a little demo out there at a ski resort and just, you just dug these little bowl runs, basically like snake run mini bowls. And, and, uh, every dude there had his own board that he made and there. And so we all just like stuck him in the snow and we'd just grab whichever one and take it for a ride. Everybody did, you know, they would so take our boards, we would take their boards. Kind of yeah. Yeah. yeah it was That's sick. so much yeah. fun. And they're just to see their, their different art on them. And, you know, some of them didn't ride that great, but they had, cool art and they had you know different colors and different different ideas and like i don't know it was all they didn't take it too seriously they were just dicking around having fun but the japanese have like you know their their craft like they're amazing at at any craft they do oh yeah so it's just it's just cool to see that even 
even when people don't know exactly what they're doing, a couple of my friends do like little workshops out there where they, you know, they supply a blank and they kind of give them some templates they can use to make something that will work, you know? And so people come and make boards in their, in their little workshop and it's, it's really cool. It's a fun environment. I've been out, out as like a guest shaper to, to one of them before. And it was, it was a rad event. Um, but th- those guys just, I don't know. They're the, they're the coolest people. They're so nice. And, humble and and uh i don't know just good people i have a lot of respect for those guys they're they're awesome cool cool and any the, yeah. uh any takeaways from that for you that that uh kind of found its way into the recipe for you or no not really they they use uh a different kind of wood that's really prominent there like i think a lot of cypress is what they call it and there's a couple other ones but it's it's pretty soft um because they do a lot of you know they'll they'll sand down the channels and such you know and so oh, it's really yeah, soft okay, what it's yeah. e- it's easy you know it's like foam it's like right. you know, foam on a surfboard you can shape it easily but it translates into a really weak board and so they're like the one i made for the thing i, I broke it on maybe my second run in <laughs> oh, writing okay. you know writing 25 degree powder <laughs> nothing you know just powder yeah. it snapped and you know a few other people snapped theirs and so and and i don't know that they all use that that would but i know that's kind of one of their main recipes so and you could always make them thicker or, or whatever but yeah they were they were just a little flimsy i still have my board it's beautiful i love it and and uh um i don't get to ride it anymore because it's cracked but but um i didn't really take anything away as far as like shaping and, and that goes but it, but it was fun to go back and and you know shape the 3d into wood like i used to do forever ago um so basically I, I used to cut, you know, channels and, and, uh, fin, mini fins and things that, yeah. into the board way, way back in the day, but it, it was so time consuming, um, and difficult to replicate that there was no way I could, you know, unless I'm selling a board for a thousand bucks, there's no way I can afford to put that much time into them. And so for the first few years, we just, you know, the bases were flat other than the nose, kicking the nose and the tail. Um, and then, you know, eventually I, I figured out a way I could, mold the 3d bases and and uh replicate that much mm, better so that would um, be much but as far as you know <laughs> as far as going back to the the japanese style that, yeah. would, that would be you know going back and using hand tools i, I just couldn't do that to, i mean i make some fun ones for art that are right. on the wall and right. and for myself but i i wouldn't want to make them and sell them to people because they, they'd have to be really expensive to make it worth and then it comes back to again you don't want to investment. break them they want your your customer breaking yeah. one and then like yeah this thing fucking sucks and that's the last thing <laughs> that's the last thing you want to hear right or something totally. like, yeah and now with social yeah. media that stuff goes off pretty quick so let's oh, yeah people are honest brutally uh, brutally yeah. well they've got they've got a medium <laughs> and they've got they can hide behind a picture right so that's the way yeah. to do that so let's yeah. get it. i want to talk a little bit about yourself you your backcountry experience just a little bit right now and um because we always want we want people to get educated on awareness in the backcountry. What are some of the things you look for? Have you done your Abbey? You done any avalanche courses at all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been decades since Abbey one, mm-hmm. and then uh, Abbey. It's probably been at least fifteen years since the Abbey two. Um. So yeah, I've I've got that long behind me, but I I I get probably eighty days a year in the backcountry. Beautiful. Um, and then I, I help out with the Utah Avalanche Center, um, just to advise on their reporting. I give them, you know, photos, uh, rundown of the day, how the snow was, what was moving, what wasn't, 
um, dig pits, uh, all that fun stuff. Um, so I've, I've had quite a few years doing that mm-hmm. for them, probably at least 15 or 16 years for them. So, and then, and then we'll do, uh, I'll have them out doing some beacon clinics, uh, like intro stuff for people to get them stoked. Nice. Um, especially cause they see they're like, Oh, this power surfing thing, this might get, you know, new users who don't even ski or snowboard in the backcountry. Absolutely. And so, you know, we, let's get those people Edu- uh, educated. So, yeah. 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 So, I mean, I just, you know, I carry peep, peep probe shovel and, uh, always with a buddy or multiple buddies we keep eyes on we just you know typical good practice that, right. that everybody should be doing out there and then you really do develop like a feel um for the snow like when you're even just riding on it or even mm-hmm. like looking at it sometimes mm-hmm. you know convex areas and and uh, hollow areas feeling and looking i mean w- when you're pow surfing it's like you become such a snow nerd because you have to like you and you feel those those differences in the snow, yeah, you know, yeah, and I can see so that. much more than you would just bombing through on a snowboard. Right. Like you still you still can feel it on a snowboard, but it's so much more intimate on a pal surfer. And it and that becomes your judgment. You know, you don't want to go hike your ass up to this big slope that's that's got an inch of beautiful looking snow on a slid layer or something, you know, that's ice underneath. You know, like you've got to have the eyes for it from mm-hmm from far away and you know unless you're hiking straight up the line you're going to do which is rarely the case um you've got to have good judgment even just with your eyes and then you you've watched the weather like crazy you know i i i watch the weather every single day <laughs> the you know the temps yeah. the uh, the uh which the, which way the wind's blowing right i check the avalanche report every single day whether i'm going or not i still just look at it see what's going on i see what's slid where and what aspects and mm-hmm. and i keep completely up to date uh all throughout the season right. just and it's it just helps keep keep you sharp and keep you knowing what to look out for and then you know like i say the feel just doing it a lot like you you can feel the snow you can do some tests you can dig some pits you can slope cut you can do a lot of things on you know things that look suspect to you and, and dig a little deeper and find out so nice um now, what about um, on, a, on a typical day for you when you go out? Do you in your backpack? Let's say you're going to go for a split. What are some of the things you put in your backpack uh, that are important to you? Something quirky, something that you may think it's normal, but it's not normal to everybody else. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I go. I go pretty light. I go with just water, food, usually small amounts of food mm-hmm. that I nibble on, mm-hmm. um, nuts and jerky and berries and dried fruit and. Uh, it's funny. I don't if I'm. I don't take tools because you don't need them. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I've been I've been burnt when I go split boarding on a split snowboard, and I'm like, oh fuck, I don't even have it. No tools. Avalanche. Or I don't bag. even have a tool to <laughs> fix my bindings, right? Uh, because I've been. So that's I'm interesting. Just going pow surfing when you're when you're when you're yeah. when you're pow surfing or when you're splitting with a pow surfer. Does it change? Like you, you know, you got to keep your pack light. I'm imagining, right? You don't want to get too heavy on the pack with the pow surfer. You can as much as you want, but it's just more weight you got to ride down with. Yeah. Okay. Or yeah. it doesn't you know, affect the like, ride of the board much. It it would a bit. It it would be you know you're better off with just your own weight. Right. <laughs> of right. Of course. Like Absolutely. like when I when I get to an area, uh, 
where I don't have to have my backpack to ride down, it's amazing. I bet. Yeah, I just, and th- and just that's not leave a good it. thing to tell your your new uh, no backcountry users, but because that's that's a bad <laughs> habit. But we only ever do that if if we're you know completely out of harm's way or the snow is, is you know it's a low danger day. If we're on well you know, the, mellow slopes. I think that's one of the things that that I find amazing about power surface is that you you and, and in in the movie I think Al Clark referenced it. You know something about not having to go to the terrain that's high consequence in that sense you can find the yeah. mellower train easier train and have just as much fun and challenge yourself just as much as right yeah yeah exactly and that's it's been a great thing for us um just to keep us out of danger you know because mm-hmm. you're looking you know you got your snowboard say say we're out on like snowmobiles or something and it's like you got your snowboard and you've got your power surfer and you're looking at this glorious line and but you're you know it's fresh it snowed last night or something you know and you're like it's a lot easier to be like, let's go power surf over here and we'll hit that tomorrow or whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you, if you've got that yeah. option. So right. it's, it's kept me out of a lot of trouble and, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a great thing and, and all that. I don't even know if we got into like all the injury stuff that pushed me a lot towards power surfing, but let's, no, um, let's dig a little bit. Let's ba- go. <laughs> the, I had such bad back pain for about five years. I, I think I didn't, I maybe snowboarded once or twice in three or four years, which was oh, brutal, man. super hard on me. Yeah. But, but I was able to power surf, which was the crazy thing. Like I, it hurt to turn in powder on my snowboard, but I could still power surf without Interesting. much pain. And so that's one of the things that really, that really lit a fire under grassroots because I was doing it almost exclusively and the, the boards got way better, way faster just cause I was doing it more, you know? And right. And uh, even through those times, like I wasn't able to do like big airs on my pal surfer or, you know, kick flips and shoves and some of the like freestyle stuff I like to do. I was just like soul riding turns, you know, bigger just lines, carving. super lines yeah, yeah. and, you know, still loving it and getting like my fix because I'm like highly addicted to, to snowboarding and pal surfing. But <laughs> no, that helped help keep my sanity and. You know, I would have, I would have lost it, man. Not being able to snowboard for a whole season or something, I would have. That's crazy. Is there, four seasons is there, in a row. Are there any of your shapes in your current line that you can attribute to that time that came out of that necessity? God, uh, oh, no, because I was just making anything and everything. I'm not, <laughs> right, my, yeah. my memory, my memory is not good. No, that's all right. The that's specifics, all right. it's it's blended so much over the over the 13 years um but yeah and like knee surgeries i've had multiple i've had three knee surgeries on the same knee and broken legs broken ankles and and you know one side of my body's totally jacked almost all the injuries happen to the left side for some reason um but anyways like pal surfing has allowed me to to heal to where like i'm stronger now um on my snowboard than i was 10 years ago even though i'm old and haggard no, I'm in my 40s, you know. So I say that jokingly. <laughs> You're a youngster. You're young compared to. But us. <laughs> it totally got me. It totally got me back like strong, and I didn't have to like take winter off. I mm-hmm. still like explored and like, rode all this amazing terrain and and uh, and learned more about everything. Really, so that's that's amazing to hear you say that and and to know. Um... Yeah, because I am that older guy who's starting to stiffen up and things are starting to hurt a little more. Because I'm in my 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only been riding for 20 years, so I started late, but, uh, but the stoke is hard because I'm every year I'm, I'm on the snow. I coach with a local club and try to get as many days in as I can. And, um, I just love the whole power surf thing and the surfy feel and 
It's amazing. Yeah. It's it's good to and know. It's, once you have so many years of snowboarding under it, you you appreciate like the more refined things, and that's a lot of what pow surfing is. But I've never really wanted to like pitch it that way and market it. You know, I I never wanted people to be like, oh, pow surfing that's like for old washed up people <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. You know, so I never you know I never try to like stress that because i don't want people to think that that's i mean it's for everybody like I, you it's know, for your little kid it's for your mom yeah, and dad it's absolutely. for you it's for like 18 year old kids like i get i'll go out with like uh the men niche boys um and those guys are you know they're some of the best snowboarders in the world right now and those guys rip right. on a surfer and love right. every second of it dude in fact they have a hard time like it's because that's all they want to do. <laughs> all they end up wanting to do, you know, I'll go out with these, with these crews of pro snowboarders and they're just like, can we just pause her for the rest of the day? Like they're, they're actually hoping for the clouds to come in, you know, so that they, so that it shuts down their, their light on whatever jump they're going to hit so they can like pause her because it's so much fun for, for any person. And so I've never wanted it to like, look like, you know, just a, an old guy sport or, you know, well, you know, I, I think you, I think you aptly name the company. That's for sure. Man. Because I think, I think pow surfing is the grassroots of snowboarding carving on land, yeah. man. I mean, it's, it, you say it over and over in the movies or, you know, the reference comes up over and over in the movies when you're talking to guys like Terry Hawkinson and DCP and all those guys and talking about just like the Provo brothers. I think it's amazing in white waves to see guys like Ian Provo and Cody Townsend tearing it up on a grass. Yeah. And on loving, a power surfer, it. And I love that. Yeah. 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 Oh man. I'll, the, the ski community is like, those guys like saved my business. I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause that's like, I think probably probably 30, at least 30% of my business comes from, from skiers. No way. Maybe, maybe 40 nowadays. Like it's, it's crazy there. And they're all like, the really good skiers too like dudes who rip and they're you know they're, they probably surf in the summer also so there's there's that attraction right. sure to right. it yeah yet they but, still ski <laughs> oh man when i was watching the x games i was like holy shit like i'm sitting there with my wife at a bar watching the x games and and uh we watched like the snowboard half pipe and i'm like i'm like oh yeah taylor gold that guy he 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 just got a couple boards like you know last month or whatever and then the ski <laughs> the ski part comes on and there was more you know skiers. there was a handful of, of guys in this in the snowboard x games that, that have my boards and ride my boards and then the skiers come on i'm like oh holy shit can you remember this one she's like oh i shipped it i shipped that guy's board you know <laughs> my wife helped, my <laughs> wife helps awesome. me now in, in the shop like doing shipping and stuff and so yeah so yeah it was like more more riders than not in the x games were pal surfers also which i thought was cool and like a lot of this of the skiers that were really impressive um on the podium there were guys who bought and ride my board. So it's, yeah, it's cool. It's, it's rad. That, and I've, I love that that helps bring, you know, two dueling, I don't know if they're dueling or not. Not, anymore. Like, not, anymore. not, not yeah. anymore. Yeah. I mean, yeah, some places they still don't get along or whatever, but, but was, it's nice to, I was to be able to guys. come together. I, I think that's only because they think they have to not get along, but yeah. really, I mean, we're all out there for the yeah. same thing. It's like standing in the park. And watching yeah, I mean, all the little groms rip down. And then you see these freestyle skiers come in, and they're throwing stuff. They're sending it just as hard as the little snowboard groms are, man. It's, yeah. You have just as much stoke for them, really. Yeah. I mean, we're all strapped in. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. So. At that point, yeah. 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 We're all sliding on snow, man, which is what it's all about. Yeah. Which is yeah, something that, uh, yeah, Neil Provo had a nice sweet little quote in the movie about sliding on snow and – 
or, or Ian did, sorry, yeah, Ian Provo did, with, about sliding on snow and, and how pow surfers are just the essence of it, which is wicked. Yeah. Yeah. So I got one, qu- one last question here. Where is your favorite, yeah. p- favorite place in the world to serve pow, to use a pow surfer? Oh, damn. Oh. That's, that's pretty difficult to, my just, wife hates this because I, I, I'm just, like, I don't have favorites. Honey. Just pin, just pin, pinpoint one, <laughs> one area that you have just like, when you, when you go, it's always off. Like you always get some good pow and you know, the terrain's good. Oh, man. You don't need to get super. Much good you don't, you don't terrain, need to get super you specific. Four. You can just give like yeah, four continents. Four. I like four. My, four is good. my favorite places in no particular order would be uh, Interior BC, uh, Jackson Hole Zone area, mm-hmm. and Japan. I mean, I, Hokkaido and, and the like Hakuba mainland area are quite different, but both those places are pretty amazing i'd I'd do the hakuba one if i had to pick Mm -hmm. uh as long as they just don't get as much snowfall but the train is unreal and the people are super rad and same with yeah when i when i go to to canada dude canadians are just awesome yeah we are awesome people (laughs) and uh, (laughs) yeah you didn't have to say that here no yeah but i'm totally serious they're like some of the nicest people um and i've just i've met some of the raddest people in canada so sweet um and really everywhere I go, like for some reason, like pal surfing attracts all the best people in the world. And so I somehow get to meet them. Exactly. Okay. Let's, <laughs> let's, uh, cool. let's drill it down a little bit just real quick. Cause you're stoked on Canada is pretty big, obviously. And, <laughs> and you like the interior part of BC. So specifically where Revy? Oh man, the coast was amazing too, though. No uh, doubt. The snow was amazing. But, right? um, yeah. yeah, but like over in. Over near Whistler was was awesome terrain. Over near Whistler was was a lot like my area where I live. Right. Um, I definitely put Utah up there too. I love riding in Utah, obviously. No doubt, you guys got some goods down um, in that area for sure. But to but to go over there to uh, around the Whistler area was like looking at at my zone, but my zone on crack, kind of just like bigger, (laughs) bigger and more expansive, and and just more of it crazy um, that's awesome and man. we got we got great snow when we were there so you know it wasn't it was on the drier side and nice. uh, it didn't let you down some, at all some yeah. sunny days and so we had a blast there but nice. um but uh, yeah around revelstoke has always been really good there's there's so many cool little you know sled zones and even just off the highway stuff like it's crazy like i trip out when i drive through there like if you could park on the side of the road, I know there's not a lot of parking areas, but if you could just stop <laughs> and park, I could spend a lifetime just stopping and parking and walking at what I, you know, the pillow lines I'm seeing on the side of the road in a lot of zones, like going up through the interior. I still do that. I still look at the side of the road and stare and go, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the yeah. Uh, the drive between Jasper and Banff down what they call the Icefields Parkway is, uh, yeah, your your neck hurts at the end of that drive. <laughs> Big guy. I haven't been up that up that far. It's, it's no big pillow it's, lines. It's, it's really cold, and it's, it's cold. big exposed stuff. But yeah. the, you just you can't stop staring at lines. It's yeah. Oh cool. yeah. The Rockies. Anytime yeah, I yeah. drive through the the Canadian Rockies, it's it's Beautiful. amazing. Yeah. 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 That's wicked. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah. We appreciate this this talk. This was great. Give us a little bit of a uh, how people can find you. Uh, you know, some of your socials. We're going to obviously put them back in the show notes. But what's a uh, yeah, way okay. to find you? Um, it's pretty much Powsurf. Powsurf.com, uh, Instagram slash Powsurf, Facebook.com slash Powsurf. Um, yeah, that's pretty much the handle for anything. Uh, yeah, so uh, I think we're, we're the most 
we meaning me, I guess, but we're the most active on Instagram. Probably. I don't do yeah, much dude. Facebook. Yeah. Too much political nonsense going I'm on. I'm hundred percent behind you on that one, dude. If I, if I didn't have a business, I just, I'd close that all the way down but yeah. in my life. But I, I um, it's Instagram's great. We do a lot of visual stuff there and mm-hmm. then um, follow nice. the website. There's tons of, tons of videos. If you go, uh, we have a YouTube channel, a Vimeo channel. Like I, I try to crank out as much material as I can, but I don't, the I don't chron- have so much time in life. Yeah, the, the Chronicles, are, chronicles, are, the good. chronicles are so good. Yeah, that's something that I And then there's a out. whole bunch of others. Like I did like the Pouser of Diaries that kind of like break down more talk on the shapes and the differences in the shapes and the type of snow that we wrote on that particular day. Um, so some people can nerd out on those. Yeah, um, I'm going to link some of that stuff in the uh, in the show notes on the uh, the podcast itself. So cool, yeah, yeah. yeah well, thanks thanks for thanks for your time. I'm hoping to talk to you again. It would be really cool at some point to come and visit you actually out there. That yeah, would be that'd be super awesome. Super sick. Yeah, happy to have you. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Um, All right, fellas. And uh, it's been a pleasure. And I'm yeah, like, appreciate it. It's like I'm so stoked. Like it's <laughs> unbelievable. I can't believe I'm talking to you right now. It's done. <laughs> But we'll be definitely in contact again, and uh, yeah, stay safe. Absolutely. Right on. Same to All you. Right. Thanks, man. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, all right. Time to order a couple of grassroots pal surfers. Thanks, Jeremy, for taking the time to talk with us. As always, you can learn more about Jeremy in the show notes. Follow us on Instagram at DarkStartsBC to find out when our next episodes are dropping and to share your awesome pictures and videos with us all. Keep an eye out for our next episode where we talk with mountain guide and hard boot and splitboarder Joey Vosberg. We want to give a shout out to Scott Martin of the Groundswell Marketing Podcast, Ivan Hakez of the Radar One Podcast, and Pat Cornway for making all of this happen. Thanks, y'all. Peace. <laughs>